0: Hi, this is Glenn Delakian, host of Tandem Radio, the good news on business, heard every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Bridge FM or on the web. Thanks for joining us for a special series, Building a Kingdom Minded Company. Whether you're a business owner or just starting your first job, our desire is that God would influence every part of your life, including your business world. Mark Griffin, president of In His Name HR, which provides human resources consulting for many organizations, brings some fantastic tools on faith and work through his 12-part series on building a company for God's glory. Okay, Let's join Mark and host Christian D Kovac for this segment on building a kingdom-minded company, company in here his at name. Human radio. Resources
1: in his name HR is a leading business as a kingdom-minded company. During this 12-part series, Mark gives you the tools to prosper as a kingdom-minded company. Hi, Mark, and welcome again. Here we are, show number seven, and we're talking about HR practices. But for this show, we're going to talk about the true integration of HR practices. So tell us a little bit about how a kingdom company starts to truly integrate the HR practices that are necessary.
2: Hello, Dee. Thanks for having me on on the show again. I'm so excited about this segment because this is really uh, the tipping point for organizations where organizations really start to see a difference and leaders start to become difference makers in their their work environments because they're taking what was so important to the owners, to the leaders, to the employees of the organization, and that's the mission, vision, and values. And they're finally saying, okay, we got it hanging on the wall. We have it in the lobby. We have it in all these different areas. We have it on the website. But how do we really make it work? And this is, again, where I get excited because I use all my HR experience at at large secular companies that are very effective in doing this, and that is taking that mission, vision, values and integrating it and getting it part of your HR practices.
1: So the practices we've talked about, uh, benefit packages and, and, uh, we've talked about job descriptions. Now, how does that relate back to the, the, the values, the, the vision, the mission? How does that actually, what are the pieces that really truly connect the dots?
2: Sure. Earlier in our shows, we talked about being a kingdom, kingdom-minded company and what it means to be a kingdom, kingdom-minded company. And that's always to put Christ first, to have a mission, vision, values. But also, being a kingdom-minded company is to be prosperous and to have goals and objectives for companies so that employees can reach those goals and objectives and do very well for the company. This is all part of that overall strategy that we talked about earlier, that we have all these HR practices, and then we have the mission and vision and values, and then what do we do to get it ingrained? So- you know, to, 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 to get it ingrained, it, it, it's easy to look at probably the top six practices that you could use, and that would be your handbook, your recruitment process, your performance review process, your job description uh, program, your communication process, and also your training and development process, uh, development program process. Those are all Very easy processes to integrate your mission, vision, and values.
1: So they do have to relate back to those three very important things. It's back to the planning and the taking the time to sit down and do those prior things because all of the practices are going to relate back to that. If they don't connect... You know, do you have that where they don't? I mean, shouldn't everything go back, be able to point back to the mission, be able to point back to the vision and the core values?
2: A- absolutely. It need, every organization needs to have reference points that go back to that mission, vision, and values. We, we talked about the, the handbook, uh, previously, and we talked about in the front of the handbook, you have the mission, vision, value, you have the president, uh, or the CEO of the organization that breathes life into it by saying, hey, this mission, vision, value is so important, we're putting it front and center in the handbook because this is what our company is about. This is how we operate through our values. This is what we're striving for with our vision, and this is what our mission is every day. But all those things that I just described can easily tie into your job description program as well. Do you integrate it into your job description? Do you let people know that the first thing that's so most important is your behaviors as you do your job? And those behaviors are tied into the values of the organization. Same thing goes with the performance management process, your annual review process. If you include your mission, vision, and values in that process, you're going to achieve it
1: you know, as you're talking about this process, you know, there are responsibilities uh, at different levels. There's the responsibility, of course, of the owner to his or her employees, but there's also the responsibility of the employee back to the owner and what they are, why they have accepted these positions. And uh so it's, It's not one way. The dialogue, the flow, it's, it's both ways. It's going back and forth. And it's very important that everybody has that common footing to start their communication on. And, and that is going back to the, the, the mission, the vision and the, and the core values.
2: That is so true.
1: Now, you know, do, you know, I mean, does a supervisor pick and choose like what they want to do or is the, you know, like the handbook and, and all of the practices you know, I mean, how does somebody administrate or make this something that they are going to be working with on a daily basis? Well,
2: you need a point person. And, and um, you know, with my experience in human resources, I've managed very large teams where, where I had several HR managers reporting to me, and then those HR managers had teams reporting to them, and they were geographically dispersed all over Canada and the United States. And, you know, we, we would have our mission, vision and values and we would trickle it down to the HR managers and then the HR managers would work with their teams and with their, their, uh, um, business units to get that integrated. Uh, but it's so important that you include that mission, vision and value as the cornerstone of all your hr programs and, and practices and you get those built in but you have a champion and typically the champion is that hr person now for a smaller company five million ten million uh that i go into uh, a lot of times what i find is they have a clerical person or maybe somebody that's doing the hr programs part-time that it's not their full-time and you know that's okay they don't have enough money, They don't. the business isn't big enough to substantiate having a professional HR person, but that's really where I shine and I get excited because I usually work with those folks to take them to the next level. They latch on, they understand that they're responsible for the HR programming, and then they rely on me for expertise to try to drive that HR program through their organization.
1: But when you are a smaller organization or company and you can't afford an HR person, even a part-time, it does fall upon the owner or the managers to be able to uh, execute the Sure, but when the owners
2: and the managers believe that that mission, vision, and value is going to propel the organization forward, they typically will empower that person that's doing the HR work part-time, To get things done. And people within the organization will know it's first and foremost the most important thing that they're doing. And it does take notice. And there is respect for it. And when I run alongside them and encourage them and train and develop them using my experience, it makes a big difference.
1: You know, I, I've had the, the great fortune to work with some really fabulous teams. And and what I see is uh, accountability and follow-up and rewards. And those, to me, have always been the hallmark of really good HR practices. What have you seen as far as what works really, really well and what fails dismally?
2: You know, I love that you brought up accountability, Because um, in, in a recent show, we talked about core values and what core values are. And I actually worked with an organization where the employees, not the management team, not the owner, the employees themselves came up with the concept of we need to have accountability as a core value. Are you kidding me? That's huge. Company owners would die to have employees say, hold me accountable, hold people accountable. It sent messages and tremors through the organization to the leadership team with, what do you mean, accountability? Well, what we found out is, and many people didn't like it, that there were leaders that weren't holding employees accountable. And the good, hardworking employees that were dedicated to the vision, the mission, and propelling the organization forward were tired of it. They were saying, come on, leaders, wake up. You have an obligation to hold these people accountable, and I can't hold them accountable because I'm a worker. I work side by side, and I'm tired of snitching on these folks. Would you hold them accountable and get them out of the organization? There were a lot of people uh, moving around in their chairs in that leadership meeting when I explained to them that their own hourly team wanted to have accountability, and the CEO's eyes get really big because he's thinking, oh, boy, my my leadership team isn't holding people accountable. So that's a perfect example of a value, of a core value that is easily, we all know, building accountability into your performance reviews shouldn't be all that difficult, right? Or building it into the handbook shouldn't be all that difficult.
1: Well, one of the important things I think in what you say is that the HR practices you know, in some environments, they're seen as punitive or they're a snare or a trap for catching the employee doing something wrong or stealing or whatever. And it kind of makes people fearful. But in this scenario that you've just discussed or described, you've really created a framework that empowers everybody to be able to do what is best
2: exactly in a
1: kingdom, and company. it's really
2: a lack of leadership that I've discovered in, in the last couple of years. That we we just lack managers and leaders, and even top executive CEOs that I've met and that I've worked with that just don't fundamentally have the leadership capability to be driving organizations. I I, I knew of one CEO that never really led anybody, and now he's he, he's leading a multi-million dollar company around the world, and he hasn't led teams before. It's shameful. Companies should not put people into positions as leaders unless they have the leadership capability. And, you know, when it comes to accountability, I think of uh, Second Thess- Thessalonians when you don't work, you don't eat. It's, it's that simple. If we love our employees, we're going to hold them accountable. And the employees should know that they need to be held accountable, and people shouldn't earn money unless they work. There's no shame in that. There's shame in not holding people accountable or the lack of leadership that jumps out behind the bushes punitively with a handbook and hits people over the head. I manage in a way, if you ask people that have worked for me, I'll tell them I'm going to love you, I'm going to care about you, I'm going to know about your family, you're going to know about my family, we're going to share things, we're going to cry, we're going to laugh, we're going to grow together. But you know what? If you don't perform and you take advantage of that relationship, you're going to be fired because I have no problem holding you accountable, putting you on notice over 30 days and terminating you. But if you prosper and you, and you join with me and we go hand in hand into this game we called work, we can have an excellent career together. And that's, that's simply being a good manager. You should care and love your employees. They should respect you, but you should also hold them accountable. And as a result, the employees shouldn't take advantage of you.
1: Well, but one of the things that I'm thinking of as you're talking about that is in, in HR practices, when you are integrating all of these things together, um, you are not cherry picking as a supervisor, uh, what pieces of the, the handbook you are going to use. And, and you're creating this framework, not just for your employees, but for everybody, whether it's, Owners, executives, boards of directors, um, any of it. You know, if you have this framework, it's not about uh, only giving information out when it's convenient. No, and it, it should it, it
2: should be all part of the, the the foundation of the company. It should be integrated. People should know what the purpose is. It's not overly complicated. I mean. Leaders treat people with dignity and respect. Employees should treat people with dignity and respect. That's really what it comes down to. Whenever you look at laundry list of of plant rules or company rules or company policies, it really comes down to a few foundational things that really can be described in one or two or three sentences. And with due diligence or due process given to employees to hold them accountable and let them know, hey, what you're doing is wrong, you need to correct the behavior, most people when given feedback, we'll correct their behavior. But it's what we find is when people aren't doing it consistently, where managers aren't being consistent, where they're not treating everybody with dignity and respect, or they just don't like this person because um, they like the Steelers and I like the Eagles or whatever the issue is, or I like Penn State versus Ohio State or Ohio State versus Whatever the issue is, you, you have those nuances in the workplace.
1: Well, I really see where the HR practices uh, is all, it's all encompassing as far as the uh, execution of it and the participation of it. And uh, whether you are an employee or uh, at whatever level you are, um, this is very important because like you said previously, you know, it also becomes a legal binding document too.
2: It really does. It's it's the especially the handbook itself. There's certain things that you need to let employees know that the that you know the EEOC requirements, the ADA requirements, uh, employment at will, all that different language needs to be explained. Promises of employment, all types of things need to explain to be explained to employees. And, and many companies just don't. They just ignore it. They don't comply to a lot of the rules, the procedures. Uh, there's also th- different thresholds for the amount of employees. For instance, FMLA applies to certain organizations with certain amount of people with certain amounts of locations. It's not necessarily applicable to all companies of all sizes. So there's a lot of navigating through um, federal legislation, local law, state, Regulations around employment as well. So it's always important to get those memorialized. Get them behind you because many people will say they're non-value-added. They don't help prosper the organization, and uh, sometimes I feel that way as well, but we still need to follow those.
1: Well, all, all things, you know, are we hope put in place to protect all and to give us all a a good environment in which to work, a good and safe environment in which to work. and um, But, you know, I, I can see where this would all be kind of daunting. You know, how do you advise the, the small business or medium business owner if they don't have HR practices and they're walking on this path um, you know, I know that you're walking with them, but what are the biggest challenges do you think that, I mean, what have they faced you with? What have they said, man, this scares me to death?
2: Well, the first thing that I do is an HR assessment. I'm putting my consultant consulting hat on right now, and I would advise anybody that would be looking at their HR practices to, you know, work with somebody that they trust that can come in and do an assessment of what they currently have and be ready for it, because if they don't do, do that and they're not ready for it, uh, they're going to run into some problems. So uh, I do an HR assessment, and from those findings, we categorize what we're going to work on over the next couple weeks and months to shore up their practices, to keep them legal, but also to help them become prosperous through their HR practices.
1: You know, I, I think it's easy for us to see how we can get bogged down in all the technical details and the legalities and all the, the bureaucracy and the red tape. But, you know, as a kingdom minded company, I guess that we have to go back to that uh, mindedness, the mission, uh, the vision and the values and remember that we are following Christ and he didn't come here to punish us. He came no. here to lift us up and to make things better for us in the long run. I and agree. And that is the essence of what we're trying to do as a kingdom company.
2: Yes. Thank you, Dave.
1: Well, thank you, Mark. And we want to thank everybody for listening uh, with us today. Again, our next show is uh, lined up, of course, with Mark Griffin of In His Name Human Resources. And he is going to teach us how to hire the best candidate for the company.
0: You've been listening to Mark Griffin of In His Name HR at Tandem Radio, the good news on business. Be sure to check out some of Mark's other segments at www.tandemradio.com. That's tandemradio.com. You can find out more about Mark and In His Name HR, as well as other shows and videos on our website. Also, be sure to tune in every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on The Bridge FM or the web. Thanks again for joining us for the good news on business.